we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. We're in 2 Samuel chapter number 3. And in verse number 1, I'll, I'll read verse number 1, I'll make some comments, and then we'll read our text uh, for this morning. Uh, but in verse number 1, the Bible says, Now there was long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David waxed stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. We know this is important to us. It was certainly important then in the life of uh, David and the nation of Israel, but it's also important to us today because it speaks to us of the conflict that is before us every day, the conflict between good, righteousness, and evil. Uh, the battle that, that is raging between the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of the devil. And while the kingdom of David or the kingdom of Christ waxes stronger and stronger, that means gain strength each day, the house of Saul, or in this case, as we think of it today, the house of the devil, this world, is waxing weaker and weaker. And in this long war, we saw something last week, and that was uh, a sovereign, a king whose name is David. And what is this king doing in this long war? Well, he is not, de he is not seeking to destroy those who are opposing him. He is seeking peace with those who are opposing him. And so we noted last week a sovereign seeking reconciliation. Uh, we saw in Abner a picture really of all unbelievers who must make a break with the house of Saul and come over to the house of David. They must make a break with the sin uh, and, and the, the, the bondage of this world and come to the Lord Jesus Christ and find salvation. Abner was the captain of Saul's army. He was the one who anointed Ishbosheth in an act of rebellion. He anointed Ishbosheth as the king over Israel. And so we saw that he was the chief of sinners, as Paul said, that Jesus Christ had come into the world to save sinners. Paul said, of whom I am chief. And so Abner really becomes symbolically for us the man who was really almost leading the rebellion and all of a sudden now is a part of David's uh, army, David's servants. It's a picture of you and I who were aliens from Christ, lost in sin. And then we come to the Lord. He has come to us to bring terms of peace to us and we repent of our sin and we turn from our sin and we come to him. We noted that Abner came to Hebron in verse 20. He and 20 men with him in chapter 3 and verse 20. And David made Abner and the men that were with him a feast. We saw that he communed with the king. And then we note that he was convinced by the king. He heard the king speaking and he thought, 
wait a minute, this is the rightful king. I, 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 I need to submit and surrender to this king. And then he was converted to the king in verse 21. And Abner said unto David, I will arise and will gather all Israel unto my Lord, the king, that they may make a league with thee, that thou mayest reign over all that thine heart desireth. And David sent Abner away and he went in peace. He was converted to the king. And then we see that he was commissioned by the king. David sent him away. He sent him away to go and bring the men of Israel under his dominion to to cause the men of Israel to to change their allegiance from the house of Saul and to come over to the house of David. And so Abner is a picture of a man who comes to Christ and one who repents and turns from his sin and comes to the Lord. Then we find another picture in Joab. And we begin reading about this in uh, our text for this morning in verse 22. The Bible said, And behold, the servants of David and Joab came from pursuing a troop and brought in a great spoil with them. But Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away, and he was gone in peace. When Joab and all the hosts that was with him were come, they told Joab, saying, Abner, the son of Ner, came to the king, and he has sent him away and he has gone in peace. Then Joab came to the king and said, What hast thou done? Behold, Abner came unto thee, and why is it that thou hast sent him away? And he is quite gone. Thou knowest Abner, the son of Ner, that he came to deceive thee, and to know thy going out and thy coming in, and to know all that thou doest. And when Joab was come out from David, he sent messengers after Abner, which brought him again from the well of Syrah. But David knew it not." And when Abner was returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him quietly and smote him there under the fifth rib that he died for he, for the blood of Azahel, his brother. And afterward, when David heard it, he said, I and my kingdom are guiltless before the Lord forever from the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. Let it rest on the head of Joab and on all his father's house and let there not fail from the house of Joab, one that hath an issue, or that is a leper, or that leaneth on a staff, or that falleth on the sword, or that lacketh bread. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, slew Abner, because he had slain their brother Azahel at Gibeon in the battle. And David said to Joab and to all the people that were with him, rend your clothes and gird you with sackcloth and mourn before Abner. And King David himself followed the buyer. And they buried Abner in Hebron. And the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner. And all the people wept. And the king lamented over Abner and said, Died Abner as a fool dieth. Thy hands were not bound, nor thy feet put into fetters. As a man falleth before wicked men, so fellest thou. And all the people wept again over him. And when all the people came to cause David to eat meat while it was yet day, David swears, saying, So do God to me, and more also if I taste bread or aught else till the sun be down. And all the people took notice of it, and it pleased them. Whatsoever the king did pleased all the people. For the people and all Israel understood that day that it was not of the king to slay Abner the son of Ner. 
And the king said unto his servants, Know ye not that there is a prince and a great man fallen this day in Israel? And I am this day weak, though anointed king. And these men, the sons of Zeruiah, be too hard for me. For the Lord shall reward the doer of evil according to his wickedness. As we find here, Joab exacts his revenge. In fact, this heading that we'll use this morning is, uh, as we've already noted, a sovereign seeking reconciliation, but now we're going to note a servant seeking revenge. A servant seeking revenge. That servant is Joab. I gave you this quote last week. I want to repeat it. It is said that uh, Mahatma Gandhi... Uh, when speaking with a missionary, uh, once said to that missionary, I like your Christ, I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Well, as we think of Joab and his service to David, we find that David is a gracious king. He is actively seeking reconciliation with the men of Israel. He's seeking to bring them into a relationship of peace with him. But Joab does not extend the same grace. He does not represent David accurately. And we see in Joab really a picture of believers who dishonor the Lord Jesus in the same way that Joab dishonored David. Now, let's just look again at some of these verses and and. Make sure that we're following along, and then I want to give you some things that I hope that you'll write down, and I hope that will be a help to you. In verse 22, we see that Joab returned to Hebron. Now, he had been gone fighting the battles of David. He had been gone, and he was warring against the enemies of David, not against the people of Israel who were at odds with David. He is fighting against the foreign enemies of David. And he returns uh, there to Hebron, and he finds out that Abner has been to Hebron, and Abner has been sent away. In verse 21, the Bible tells us at the close of the verse that Abner uh, made peace with David. In verse 21, the last statement, David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. Then in verse 22, we find Uh, that Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away, and he was gone in peace. Verse 23, when Joab and all that host uh, that was with him were come, they told Joab, saying, Abner the son of Ner came to the king, and he hath sent him away, and he is gone in peace. So Joab returns to Hebron to find out that Abner is no longer at least considered by David to be an enemy or a foe. He is now a friend. He has come over to the house of David, and he has been sent out to the men of Israel on the king's business. Now Joab doesn't like to hear this news. Look at verse 24. Then Joab came to the king and said, What hast thou done? Behold, Abner came unto thee. Why is it that thou hast sent him away, and he is quite gone? Thou knowest Abner the son of Ner, and that he came to deceive thee, and to know thy going out and thy coming in, and to know all that thou doest. So Joab is indignant over this. He's 
he goes to David, no doubt in an attitude of disrespect, and he begins to question the king and say, what in the world are you doing? Here's this guy that's been your enemy. He's the man who anointed Ishbosheth as king after you were anointed king. He's been in rebellion uh, all nearly these entire seven years, and here you are <laughs> taking him in and then trusting him and sending him out to the men of Israel. And now I want you to know what he's going to do. He's going to gather all those men, and he's going to come back, and he's going to try to defeat you. That was what Joab was thinking. But not only was he thinking about that, he was thinking about how that Abner had killed his brother in chapter 2. If you were here when we looked at chapter 2, you know there was a, a skirmish between the men of Israel and the men of Judah. And that skirmish was initiated by Abner. He said, let the young men rise and play before us. Let, let, let's have a little battle. Let's have a little contest. And so 12 men from each side came together. They put one another in a headlock. They took their swords and they thrust one another through. And all 24 men fell down together dead. Brutal scene. Then it turned into a battle. 360 men of Israel were killed. 19 men of Judah were killed. The men of Israel began to flee from the men of Judah. Abner was on the run. All of his men were on the run. Asahel, who was Joab's brother, was chasing after Abner. He wanted to kill him. Time and time again, Abner implored Asahel to turn away. The Bible tells us that Asahel was fleet of foot. He was a fast runner. He was apprehending Abner. Abner knew he was just a matter of time before Azahel got to him. But despite all of his pleas, Azahel would not listen. He came forward after Abner until the point when Abner had no choice. He took his spear and just moved it behind him. And as Azahel ran toward him, he thrust himself onto the spear of Abner. And he died. He knew that it would be trouble between him and Joab, and that trouble is a part of this story in chapter 3. We come to verse 26 now in chapter 3. And when Joab was come out from David, he sent messengers after Abner, which brought him again from the well of Syrah, but David knew it not. Knew it not. So, so now we find that Joab is acting on his own, and he's acting uh, independent of the king, and he's bringing... Uh, Abner back. This attitude of revenge is about to produce an irretrievable act of revenge. Look at it in verse 27. And when Abner was returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him quietly. So no doubt Joab greeted him and welcomed him and then said, hey, I need to talk to you. Let's, let's go over here so we, nobody hears us. And he smote him there under the fifth rib that he died for the blood of Azahel, his brother. Vengeance is mine, saith Joab. I'm going to make you pay. Now, let's make no mistake about it. Azahel did die at the hand of Abner, but in an act of war and in an act of self-defense. Joab is exacting revenge, and he commits murder against Abner. 
So here we see the servant seeking revenge. Now notice in verse 28, and afterward when David heard it, he said, I and my kingdom are guiltless before the Lord forever from the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. Let it rest on the head of Joab and on all his father's house, and let there not fail from the house of Joab one that hath an issue, or that is a leper, or that leaneth on a staff, or that falleth on the sword, or that lacketh bread. So Joab and Abishai his brother slew Abner because he had slain their brother Azahel at Gibeon in the battle. You see, David gets the report. He finds out what has happened. And immediately he declares that this was not an act of David, that this was solely an act of Joab. You see, David is actively seeking to bring people to him, not drive them away. Jesus said, I am not come to destroy men's lives. I am come to seek and to save that which was lost. We need to understand the mission of our king. During this long war that we're engaged in on a daily basis, he is not seeking to destroy men. He is seeking to deliver men. He is our sovereign. He's our king, and he's seeking reconciliation. We are his servants, and we have no time for revenge. And when we decide that we're going to get a measure of revenge, that we're going to settle the score against that person who offended us or who hurt us or who hurt our spouse or hurt our children, and we want to make them pay, we've got a grudge against them. And when we get a chance, we're going to settle the score. I want you to know what we're doing. We're dishonoring our king. You see, what Joab did could have jeopardized the entire kingdom. It could have kept the men of Israel from ever coming and uniting with David. And we're going to see here four ways that Joab dishonored David, and those are the same four ways that you and I can also dishonor our Lord. And so I want you to note them with me. First of all, I want you to see that the Lord's people dishonor him when they wage war with those who are at peace with the king. The Lord's people dishonor him when they wage war with those who are at peace with the king. You see, Abner was at peace with David. Joab didn't like it because he didn't like Abner. He had a score to settle. They were rivals. He couldn't understand why in the world the king would make peace with this chief of the house of Saul. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse number 3, Paul writing to the Corinthian church, and by the way, let me just say this, I've been amazed in, in our study of 1 Corinthians on Sunday evening how much of what we're learning in 1 Corinthians goes along with what we're learning in, on Sunday mornings in the life of Saul life of David rather. He says here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3, for ye are yet carnal. Well, that's a strong, that's a strong term, isn't it? Paul's saying to the church, you are carnal. For whereas there is among you envying 
and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? You see, we cannot honor God, we cannot honor our king if we live in a state of carnality. Living in bondage to the old nature, living according to the flesh and not the spirit. And what he's saying to them is, you're living a life that is not characterized by spirit-filled living. You're living a life that dishonors the Lord. You're living a carnal life. How do we know it? Because you envy one another, because you strive against one another, and because you're divided against one another. You see, God never intended that the Israelites fight one another. They were to be fighting his battles, not their own. And Paul had admonished these Corinthians concerning this strife and contention and division. Now, James writes it uh, to the believers who were scattered abroad in James chapter 4 and verse number 1. He says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not even of your lusts that war in your members? Notice this, please. The wars and fightings among them, in verse 1, the source of those wars and fightings were the lusts that war in their members. In other words, there was a battle going on inside of every believer. You and I have that battle to deal with on a daily basis. So when we're offended, uh, when someone we perceive does us wrong, uh, that, that strikes at us in our hearts and that that war is going on and what we want in that war is to uh to launch a counter attack we want to settle the score and that war that is raging within us when it breaks out and it has the potential to break out doesn't it then it causes wars and fightings among the church he says ye lust and ye have not ye kill and desire to have and cannot contain, ye fight in war, ye have not, because ye ask not. What church wants to be characterized by that? Ye fight in war. Now, we know we've all heard about churches, and maybe sometimes we've been a part of a church that fights in wars. And may God help us all to understand that in any church, there is that potential if we do not yield to the Holy Spirit. We can kill people with our looks, our words, our attitudes, our cold and abrasive dismissal of them. He said, I want you to understand it's devastating when the inside war breaks out. Then he writes in verse 10 of of James 4, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil of one another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Joab, who are you to say that Abner didn't make things right? Joab, who are you to say that Abner is not worthy of forgiveness? Joab, who are you to exact revenge upon Abner? Paul wrote it this way in Romans 14, verse 4. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. 
You see, it's not my job and it's not your job to straighten everybody out. It's not our job to tell God how he ought to deal with them. No, we are not to be at war with those who are at peace with the king. I want you to think of the untold damage that Christians have done to the cause of Christ because they've engaged in some personal battle against another believer. May God forgive us. May God help us. I want you to imagine you're Joab's armor bearer. You're, you're listening to him as he leaves David's presence, as he storms out of the presence of the king, and he mutters against the king. You can see his rage, the rage that's in his eyes, and then you see it turn to glee as these thoughts of vengeance develop into a plan of deception and murder. You might hear him as he sends the messengers, and you know what he's up to, and you say, Joab, Joab, are you serving yourself or are you serving your king? The king, he boldly replies, I'm doing David a service by ridding him of that evil Abner. I'm doing David rather a service by ridding him of that evil Abner. I'm just trying to help David out. And some of us think we've been deputized to help Jesus out, right? Straighten out Christians that we don't like or disagree with, or that we have ought against. But Abner, he's fallen into a big trap of deception here, hasn't he? Because the king is at peace. The king is at peace with Abner. Why then, Joab, would you be at war with a man who the king is at peace with? Why don't you ask yourself that question? What name should I call or could I call? that would cause you to get upset? What comment could I give about someone? What compliment could I pay them that, that would surely bring out of you a response that said, oh, you don't know them the way I do? You see, we're not to be at war with those the king has made peace with. Let me give you the second way that we can dishonor the Lord. The Lord's people dishonor him when they seek to kill rather than convert those alienated from the king. The Lord's people dishonor him when they seek to kill rather than convert those alienated from the king. Remember the words of James, ye kill. Now, they weren't literally killing one another, no but they were killing one another with their words and their attitudes and their looks. And Christians are guilty of doing that, right? Now, we have a picture of this here because Azahel was pursuing Abner in chapter 2, not interested in converting him, but interested in killing him. And then in chapter 3, Joab says, bring Abner to me, not to reconcile the problem between them, no, but to kill him. And oftentimes, we Christians take up the wrong sword. We take up a sword of steel, not a sword of the Spirit. We want that steel sword because we want to settle that score. We want blood. We want to make them pay. And we forget that we are, yes, in a spiritual warfare, but we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're fighting against the devil and his principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. 
And so the Lord's people dishonor him when they seek to kill rather than convert those alienated from the king. Think about it. We have seen over over the years Christians who protest and and carry placards and tell people they're going to burn in hell. And they do it in such an ugly way. That should not characterize a true believer. Yes, people who reject Jesus are going to hell. That's true. But that should not be something that people rejoice over. That should be something that we weep over. That should not cause us to shout and raise our voices. It should cause us to pray and witness and beseech people to come to Jesus. That's the kind of servant that honors his king. The one who says, I love you. I want to help you. Here's a gospel track. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Would you come and be with me in my church? And would love to help you understand the gospel. God loves you and he wants to save you. That's the message, not the sword. Let me give you a third way that the Lord's people dishonor him. They dishonor him when they refuse to forgive those who have wronged them. Now, Joab felt justified in killing Abner because Abner had killed Azahel. Look at it with me. Go back to 2 Samuel chapter 2, would you please? And verse 26. This is after Azahel has fallen. Uh, remember that, that Abner warned Azahel time and time again. Look at verse 22. Uh, Abner said again to Azahel, Turn thee aside from following me. Wherefore should I smite thee to the ground? How then should I hold up my face to Joab thy brother? Howbeit he refused to turn aside. Wherefore Abner with the hinder end of the spear smote him under the fifth rib, and the spear came out behind him, and he fell down there and died. So Azahel died. Now in verse 26, Abner calls to Joab and said, shall the sword devour forever. Knowest thou not that it will be bitterness in the latter end? How long shall it be then ere thou bid the people return from following their brethren? What has happened here? Abner is filled with regret. Remember, it was Abner's provoking words that started the whole thing at the pool of Gibeon. Let the young men rise and play. And it got escalated, escalated quickly. And now Abner and his men have been defeated, and they are on the run. He has regret for his words. He has regret that the fact, because of the fact that Azahel is now dead. The brother of Joab is dead. And he knows he's going to have a problem with Joab. And Joab is continuing to pursue him. Finally, he goes up on the top of a hill, and he begins to reason. He begins to reason with Joab, shall the sword devour forever? When is this going to end? Knowest thou not it will be bitterness in the latter end? Well, it certainly was, wasn't it? You see, Joab could not forgive the man who killed his brother, even though it wasn't murder. It was self-defense. I would imagine that Abner tried to clarify it time and time again. 
I'm sure there were soldiers there who saw it happen who said, let me tell you something, Joab. Abner didn't kill Azahel. He, he, he tried to reason with him. Azahel wouldn't listen. He, he was too stubborn. He, he, was, he, was, he was determined. And only finally, after many efforts, did Abner smite him. But in spite of all of that, Joab wouldn't listen. You see, a brother offended is harder to be won than a city, right? There are times when, when the pain is hot and we won't listen to the pleas of those who have offended us. We won't, we won't hear their cry. We won't hear those around them who try to reason with us. We're just angry and we want vengeance. I can, though, I can imagine Joab, though, I can imagine him saying this, hey, hey, Abner, we're good, no worries. You know, Abner's trying to come up and make things right with him. Hey, no, 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 no. We're not going to talk about it. We're good, no worries. But the fact is they weren't good, were they? No. Because the moment he got an opportunity under the fifth rib, you're dead. Now, we live on this earth as a family of believers. Our souls have been saved. We're redeemed from our sin. We have the Holy Spirit living within us, but we have flesh. We have flesh that has bad days and gets in bad moods, and we have flesh that struggles communicating at times, and we say things a little differently than what we intended. We have flesh that hears things a little uh, incorrectly. And then we got uh, attitudes that get aggravated, and, and all of a sudden, if we're not careful, while we're here with one another, we get aggravated with one another. There are people who are telling us what one another is saying, and they're maybe not accurate. And so we get all of this these, these impressions and, 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 and issues with people, even Christian people. This attitude that we can get, oh, I don't like that guy. Did you hear what he said to me? He offended my wife. He offended my husband. He offended my children. He's a bad guy. You see, those things happen in a community of believers, don't they? Acts chapter 6, a murmuring between the widows, right? The Hebrews and the Grecians. So how is it that we're going to live in this body of flesh and maintain a relationship and love one another and forgive one another and not have these Joab moments? Well, we have to live in the reality of Ephesians 4. Verse 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor. Clamor is making noise, you know, getting loud. And evil speaking be put away with you with all malice, hatred, enmity, and be ye kind one to another. This is... This is a choice you and I have to make to obey a command, to be kind. Have you ever met an unkind Christian? You ever heard an unkind preacher deliver an unkind sermon? It usually doesn't produce spiritual results, does it? Be ye kind one to another. 
tenderhearted, forgiving one another. You know, by the way, there are times when, when we want to be kind, but we're not. But we still have to be forgiving, right? Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You see, Joab would not forgive Abner. You say, Joab, don't you realize Abner is at peace with the king? He's made peace with the king. Therefore, you got to make peace with him. Oh, no. Oh, no, not me. You don't know what he did to me. You ever heard people say that? Sure, you've said it yourself probably, and so have I. You see, Joab's in all of us. He sits in the pews. He stands in the pulpit, right? What is it about us when we get an offense like that that we we just like to hold on to it? We just It's like we put it in a blanket and we cuddle it, you know? We don't want to let it go. You know, it's like when we pull out pictures of our grandkids, you know, hey, have you seen the latest? We want to pull out pictures of our offenses. Did you hear what this guy did to me? Oh, you think he's a good guy? Okay. Well, let me tell you, he's not. Let me tell you what he said. Let me tell you what he did. You see, that's Joab. That's the sword in the fifth rib. It dishonors the king. May God help us to remember that we have been forgiven. Remember the servant who owed all that debt? He said, oh, master, forgive me, forgive me. And he did. And then he went out and found a guy that owed him just a little bit. And he said, oh, look, I can't pay, but would you please forgive me? He said, no way, Jose. Pay up. And we dishonor the Lord. Let me give you the fourth way that we can dishonor the Lord. The Lord's people, him dishonor him when they forsake the king's mission in order to complete their own. Now, Joab had been out fighting David's enemy, and he came back in to bring in the spoil and give a report. Then he found out that David's got a new captain too, not one that had taken Joab's place, but one that Joab perceived perhaps was a threat to him. One that Joab didn't like, and so Joab then forgets he's employed to do the king's business and decides to become an entrepreneur and take up his own business. And his own business was to get rid of Abner. He forgot and forsook his mission. Now, I said a moment ago, Abner was at peace with the king. He was forgiven by the king. But we also need to realize Abner was on the king's mission. So Joab comes out, and he says uh, to some servants, he says, uh, you fellas, you, you get on your horses, and you go after, uh, you go after Abner and tell, tell him the king wants him back here. You see, he's going to take Abner off of his mission. It was David who sent Abner on that mission. Joab had no authority to pull Abner off the mission. 
Joab had no authority to involve other messengers and servants in his own personal mission and thereby pull them off the mission of David too. You see, really what you have is an act of treason. And when we become like Joab, exacting revenge on those who have injured us, who are at peace with the king, when we refuse to forgive them, what happens is we commit treason against the Lord. We take up our own personal mission, and we lay his down. We got to remember what we're here for, church. We are here to proclaim his message. We are ministers of reconciliation, taking the terms of peace to a world that is at opposition and has declared war against the holy God and saying to them, this king loves you. He died to save you. Why don't you surrender to him and make peace before it's too late? That's what our job is. But we get sidetracked by little issues and personality differences and disputes that are meaningless and, as James said, are carnal. And we forsake the king's mission in order to fulfill our own. May God help us. Well, it was an awful scene when it was all over, wasn't it? David wanted to make something clear. Look at it in verse 28. And afterward, when David heard it, by the way, let me just say this. When we bring reproach on our king, he not only hears it, but he sees it. There's coming a time when you and I will stand before him and give an account. Afterward, when David heard it, he said, I and my kingdom are guiltless before the Lord forever from the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. He wanted everybody to know one thing. I had nothing to do with this. You see, there was great potential to disrupt the whole kingdom before it ever got off the ground because the men of Israel would have surely thought when they heard the report that Joab did this at the hand or the command of David. And David said, wait a minute, I had nothing to do with this. And to make sure that everybody understood that, look at verse 29. Let it rest on the head of Joab and on all his father's house. And let there not fail from the house of Joab one that hath an issue, or that is a leper, or that leaneth on a staff, or that falleth on the sword, or that lacketh bread. You see, when you and I, when you and I take up the sword, when we get engaged in our own personal battles, let me tell you, there's going to be accountability for that. The repercussions of that decision will weigh heavy upon our lives. And it will not only impact us, it can impact our children and our children's children. Verse 30, so Joab and Abishai, his brother, slew Abner because he had slain their brother Azahel at Gibeon in the battle. May God help us not to dishonor our king. I asked you a minute ago, is there a name I could call, a circumstance that I could bring up that would cause you to say, oh, that guy i got to be honest with you. I've got a few. I've got a few. I need to repent, and so do you. 
I need to confess it to the Lord. And I need to leave it with him. I'm, a, I'm not responsible for them. I'm responsible for me. I want to be a faithful servant to my king, don't you? Do you long to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Then let's not fight the wrong battle. Let's not wage war with those the king is at peace with. Let's not seek to kill rather than convert those who are alienated from him. Let's not refuse to forgive those who have wronged us. And may we not forsake the king's mission in order to take up our own. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.